0: Hello, Radio Family. This is Dr. Derek Greer. Due to the COVID crisis, our already crazy schedules have shot through the roof. But in particular, please pray for pastors and church staffs as we navigate through this incredibly difficult season. You know, our government has pledged to graciously support many businesses in this crisis, but churches are are largely on our own. And if we don't support God's voice in our communities, no one else will. So don't forget your local church. Lastly, I want to remind you that God has not given us a spirit of fear. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He loves you. And my Bible says he will keep you as the apple of his eye. There's nothing ahead of you that's bigger than the God that lives on the inside of you. In times like these, it's really vital that we keep our hearts full of God's Word. So if you want to hear faith-filled messages or get a copy of me reading through all the healing scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, go to gracechurchva.org for free downloads. I love you, and our only goal is to help keep you strong. God bless you.
1: We are excited to announce the Live Big television broadcast is back on BET on Sundays at 7 a.m. There are a few other changes, so visit DerekGreer.com to view the full broadcast schedule and much more. You were made to think big, do big, big.
0: But tomorrow can be bigger. Yeah. Just grow, let the world. Live a life bigger than yourself You're created for greatness Live a life bigger than
1: yourself Welcome to Live Big with Dr. Derek Greer. We're glad you decided to join us today. Remember, you can get access to this message and a full library of teaching from Dr. Greer at gracechurchva.org. As we dive deep into the Word of God, we believe that it changes us, And empowers us to think big, do big, and live big. This type of living will not only impact our lives, but will inevitably bless others. So our hope is that this broadcast inspires you to live big. Here's Dr.
0: Greer. Let's skip to 11. After he had said this, he went on to them, speaking of his disciples. He says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to wake him up. Jesus intentionally starts messing with the disciples. He knows the conclusion they're going to come to. But Jesus has a way of making statements to help locate the people that he's talking to. Verse 12, his disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get what? Better. But Jesus had been speaking of his death. But his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. That's why we need to wait on hearing from God. Because we, we, Lord, show me what you mean by what you said. You hear me? 14. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad. Do we read that right? Now, your best friend dies. You get the message. He's, I'm glad. What type of man? What type of God? The only people that can rejoice in the midst of such a crisis are people that know the end from the beginning. The Bible says in one place, Mark 11:22 to 24, have the faith of God. The faith of God is something or someone that knows the end from the beginning, and rests in the middle. Are you tracking with me? He says, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad. Now, the term there is literally means rejoice, which actually means Jesus said, he, 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 he's dead. When you walk after the Spirit, you're not going to make sense sometimes to the carnal mind. Some scholars will tell you that Jesus never smiled. There's no record of him laughing, but the reality is that's not true. You cannot rejoice looking like this. There has to be a smile. All of a sudden, I mean, the intensity of the moment, he's dealing with his disciples, and and he said, Lazarus is dead, and suddenly he breaks into a laugh and a smile, and it seems mean. I'm glad he's dead, and you'll be surprised. Some of the things we're crying over in our lives, God's like, I'm glad that happened. What? And we don't understand it. But God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because what happened to you was a mere opportunity for God to reveal himself to you in a way like never before. So he said, Lazarus, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. So that you may what? believe." What's the issue? Them, them believing. Well, what's, he said, Listen. If I just heal you, you'll just have faith for healing. I don't want you just to have faith for healing. I want you to have a higher type of faith. Though he slay me, yet shall I live. You hear what I'm saying? I was not there so that you may believe. But, but let us go to him. Verse 16. Then Thomas called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go with him that we might what, die with him. These guys, are, uh, they, Jesus has lost his mind, but, but we love him. So I guess we would we'll just go down with him and be killed, too. When faith fails, at least have courage. You hear me? They didn't believe, they were, but they had courage. Verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in a tomb for what? That doesn't strike us as an interesting a point that you need to mention in the Bible because dead is dead, but the reality is they, this was not modern modern world. They didn't have, a, I don't even remember what you call those screens where you just had a flat line, what are they called? Uh, okay, no one knows the name of the screen. Okay, what's that? Yeah, EKG, whatever it is. Um, they didn't have all that. And every now and then someone will kind of go into a coma and wake up. So what happened over history and over time is the rabbis developed various theories and and uh, traditions on uh, uh, why that happens. But the end tradition was that a spirit stayed around a body for no more than to three to, to near the, the end of a, the beginning of the fourth day. And at that point, it could no longer stay near the earth and had to go home. The point that's being made here is that Jesus wanted to wait till it was Absolutely impossible. Until everyone knew that death was irrevocable, that the situation was irreversible. Sometimes God waits not because he doesn't love you, but because he's setting you up to believe bigger, to receive, you understand, to receive larger. He's trying to stretch you, trying to pull you. Never lack of love. But Christ had vision. And he had a vision for the type of faith he wanted his disciples to have. The disciples that changed the world and wrote our Bible were not like the 14th, 15th, some, some 60, 17th century scholars. That the many of us base our church denominations and the rest on. These were men with living, vibrant faith. They did not just have faith that when I die, I'll go to heaven. They had resurrection faith, which is a whole different category. That's a faith that even in life, God will get me up as if, if many times as necessary, that I might fulfill my purpose and move forward in, my, in God's plan. He's been in the tomb uh, quite a, a few days. No worldly hope of recovery. Here in Romans, the Bible talked about Abram hoping against what? Hope. We have a situation where there's no natural hope. And that was exactly what God wanted Lazarus. Is there anyone in this room that has no natural hope? And you cried and you whined, and you might even blame God up to this point. But all you are is in the situation God wants you to be, because he's about to show himself strong. Verse 18, if he helped you too quickly, you never received the goodness of God in this level. Bethany was less than what, two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Mary heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. First of all, as I taught last Sunday, you bring your complaints to God. Don't complain about God. You bring them to God. The Bible said David poured out his complaint. He poured out his heart to God. And at least these women did that, even though they were wrong. But I need you to hear what they're saying in this statement. In effect, they're saying, Jesus, you killed the master because you didn't show up. And many times in our lives, when we don't get answered to prayer, we begin to blame God. Lord, if you were here, if you really loved me, if you were really with me, this thing would not have happened. I would have been spared this thing. And these women have the same mentality, the same mind, very much like you and I today. If you had been, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you want. Okay, I don't know. I'm questioning you being the Messiah because I think the Messiah would be more merciful, more compassionate, more loving. And there would be times in your walk that life will hit you so hard. You almost want to change the title of God. You, you 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 move from being a believer, and you say, "Well, I can't be an atheist. I know God is." But let, let me say, I'm agnostic. I just I can't really know Him. And maybe, maybe you know. I, I, let me tell you, I've been so tested in my faith that there was a period in my my twenties that I was I was so beaten that I was like, "Lord, maybe I presumed. Maybe you are. I can't deny you are. But I presumed thinking I can know you and that I can concretely trust you." So it took me months that the thing was so hard to heal my heart to get to a place of faith. Has anyone in this room ever kind of been there? OK, not a lot of hands are going up, but live long enough. You might see something. But the point is, God knows how to bring you back. Amen. He said, but I know that even now you are a man of God still. I mean, you, maybe not the Messiah, though, but you you're a man of God and God will, will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Jesus is intentionally being ambiguous. He knows how she's going to respond. He's drawing her out. God will set up situations in your life to intentionally draw you out, to have a certain conversation with him that exposes your doubt, that you, you pretend it wasn't there, that exposes your lack of conviction when, when you, you really thought it would. You hear what I'm saying? Life will draw out of you what's really in And Jesus asks a question that causes her to give an answer. And, and the interesting thing is, if we were in Sunday school, we would say this answer was correct. But life does not happen in Sunday school. Life happens, you know, in the house while people are screaming. Life happens in the middle of a car accident. Are you hearing one? Life happens all around us all day long. God does not want a faith that is so theologically correct that we're no earthly good. I believe in being theologically correct. I read through this this Bible at least once a year. I, I look to the scholars, appreciate the scholars. But we need to read something here. Verse 12. Is that where I belong? Where am I? I'm at verse 21. Thank you. 23. Jesus said, your brother will rise again. Let me change places here. Martha answered. She gives a perfect Sunday school answer. She gets a star on her head. I know he will rise again at the resurrection. She has right doctrine. You would think Jesus would say, the Sadducees didn't believe it. I mean, that was a major group at that time. They were Sadducees because they didn't believe in the resurrection. So you think he got excited, but instead we we, we begin to hear rebuke. Jesus says, I am. Let me back up. He said, your doctrine's right, but your problem is you don't have right now faith. You can have sterile, cold doctrine just right. Get a star on your head every day. I mean, you, 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 you're right in the fact that we're not a, a glorified planet of apes. We didn't come from monkeys. You, you got the, the fact right that Jesus is the only way to God. You got it right that, that God is triune. You got it right that we need to be baptized by water. You got it right. All the essential doctrines you got right, but you're good for nothing while you live on planet Earth. She had it right. but She was so wrong. Many of us have doctrines so perfect. The problem with it is so far away, you have to die to enjoy it. He looks at her and says, I am not, I will be. The word I am literally means all that I've ever been, all that I ever will be. I am right now. He was saying, you woman, I don't want a faith when I die by and by. That is not what I'm looking for on planet Earth. Thank God that we know when we die by and by everything's going to be all right. But if that was all we needed to know, we needed to come to church one time. Read me John three sixteen. Walk away, live my life, and die. But obviously, there's more to the gospel. Or well, Jesus wouldn't say, "Don't forsake the, the assembling of yourselves together," because I got some stuff to teach you. Are you tracking with me? Jesus looks at her and says, "Ego imi." in the Greek. He's saying, woman, what is this? What is all this religious thinking that divorces my truth from the now? I'm not gonna love you. I love you. I'm not gonna care for I care for you. He says, woman, I am the resurrection and the life. And all that God ever Will be I am right now. And I am here with you. And I love you. Then he goes on to say, he who believes in me will live. Even though he what? Dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will know what? never what? Then he says, do you what? What's he getting at? Her belief system. Right doctrine, wrong belief system. That might be crazy. You didn't know that could happen. Right doctrine, wrong belief system. And then she goes on because she she feels the rebuke, and she goes back. Okay, okay, okay. I know you, Christ. She 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 reverts back. She said, you got me on this resurrection. Thing. I'm a little bit lost, but 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 I do know I can trust you. Yes, Lord. She told. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who's coming to the world. Verse 28. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary. Said the teacher, a rabbi, is here. She said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not entered the the village, but was uh, still at the place where Martha had met him. Uh, Jesus certainly knows how to make an entrance. Also, there were people there that wanted to kill him, and uh, he was aware of it. And uh, he was moving very cautiously at this time in his ministry. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforted her, her notice how quickly she got up and went out. Uh, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to uh, mourn there. Verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet as wh- and said what? Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have what? The blame game. Once again, she's doing the same thing her sister did. But at least if you're going to fall, fall grabbing Jesus' feet. Fall forward. She fell grabbing his Lord. And there are times that you you, you might, Lord, why? Make sure you're talking with the Lord. You're at his feet. Verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Bible's very careful about what it says because there's only so many words God wanted to use in this book. He doesn't waste space. He says, when he saw them weeping, the Jews had come along with Jesus. He was deeply moved, meaning when he saw what was going, it got him angry. This term, deeply moved in spirit and troubled, is a very polite way to say he got angry and irritated. Jesus got upset. The whole situation was getting on his last nerve. Do you know what gets God frustrated or upset more than any one thing is people that refuse to believe. As we've been saying, one of the most natural responses a man could have to a holy God is to trust him. If I can't lie, I won't cheat, I won't steal, and I love you How? dare you. Question me. So all unbelief means we believe the lie. If something's darkened our mind, there's something wrong with our, our thinking, our reasoning. Unbelief is as demonic as a cocaine habit. Now we may not have many cocaine habits in this room, but we might have a little bit of unbelief. If we had the values that Christ had though, we'd be as vigilant against the unbelief as we are against the cocaine. Because I may not some of y'all, I won't even find a bottle of alcohol in your house, but I will find a whole a whole house full of unbelief and unwillingness to believe the truth of the word of God. God said, I'd rather you drink your wine. If I had to choose between that and you believe in me with your heart, I lost my place again. First, what? Thank you. I typed I, I print this out in big print, too. I, you know, but when Jesus saw weeping, you know, he was deeply moved. He's angry. You need to hear the tone, though. You got to understand what's happening. He is not, you know, we have a wrong image of Jesus. We've created Jesus in our image and likeness. He's that skinny, pasty face, weakly. I I hate what I see in some of these churches. Forgive me for saying it so passive, but it's true. That Jesus is so weak. The Bible speaks differently. Pilate was surprised that he was so soon dead. Pilate didn't understand that he wasn't just hanging on the cross. He was taking the sin and the curse on the world. So there was more on him than just some nails. But the Bible says Pilate was surprised that he had so soon died on the cross. Why? If he was a weak, sickly little guy, barely making it in the room, you wouldn't be surprised. But he was surprised because there was a strength about Jesus. He, was, he is the life. He's a life about Jesus. When Jesus looked at you, man, his eyes danced. His face danced. Every muscle in his face was used accurately and appropriately. Jesus was full of passion, vigor, strength, life just like the jungle. I'm not comfortable in the jungle because I'm from the suburbs, you know. I don't want all those bugs, all those insects. But you see, God, when he created this planet, he got bugs flying, you got, you got fish swimming, you got, you're just full of life. Everything is green stuff buzzing around you. And God, by nature, is vibrant and full of life. And if he has his way, he makes everything lifely. Right? So Jesus is man. Also know Jesus is a celebrity. He's 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 fed the multitudes already. I mean, you know, we have musical rock stars back then. They had rabbis. He was the the rabbi from Nazareth, this upstart calling himself God. Everyone knew about it. So when he walked in, every eye was on him. But Jesus didn't try to put on a poker face. Jesus was not intimidated at all by anyone in that room. Sometimes when the Holy Ghost comes on me strong, I get nervous because I'm like, how are they going to receive what I'm because everyone thinks Jesus is just I said it's lesser. I can't improve. But you kind of think Jesus is a Michael Jackson. So just forgive me again, Lord, for, for saying that, you know, not really a man, but not really a woman, <laughs> you know, and just, you know, with life and, you know, you know, and just, you know. Just think he's this little weak character. Jesus was a carpenter. He had rough hands. When he shook your hand, even though they didn't do it back then. But if he shook your hand, you'd feel a grip. They tried to throw him off the cliff. We talk about this. He walked right through the crowd. There was something about him that was absolutely regal and controlling. Yes. Not in the wrong way. Storm would come against so him. He'd be like, get out of here. Yes. People never met such a man. They were offering, Oh, they got the leprosy, the leprosy. And anyone who touched a leper was unclean. Jesus was like, he was so full of life. Instead of their death getting on him, his life would get on them and heal them. Jesus was alive. And he was angry, livid. And he said, where did you, have you laid him? Get the tone and the, everyone's eyes on Jesus. And they said, come and see, Lord, they replied. Now, Jesus gone from laughing to weeping. Now he's about to cry. Jesus gone through a lot of different emotions. It seems crazy to the natural mind, but from his vantage point, this is perfect sanity. Often when the world is rejoicing, God is weeping. Whenever, right now, the, the nation's rejoicing over certain stuff. I wonder what God's doing. But that's not a political statement. But i found it's just a biblical truth. God sees things differently than we do. So Jesus is crying. Why is he crying? Because the prophet said, he said, Lord, in thy wrath, remember mercy. He's angry at the unbelief. He's angry at what death has done and has been doing to man since the fall of Adam. He hates it. He hates the pain that we go through. He hates the suffering. He's disgusted by it all. And and it's an anger, there's a holy rage, if you will, that caused him to stretch out his arms in just a few chapters and hang on that cross because he hates it so to, to, to strip it from us, to carry our infirmities and our weaknesses that we might be free from it. Are you tracking with me? He's weeping. He's not, everyone else is putting on a show though. You know, back in that culture, just like many Middle Eastern cultures, you put on a show when, when someone dies. Everyone has to scream, tear the clothes, tear up, and it's just a mess. And everyone, you know, and all that stuff is going on. Jesus, he's just some tears. And he sees this. And, and he, he's, he's angry at the unbelief. Then verse 36, the Jews said, see how he loved him. (sighs) Suddenly the crowd is disarmed by him. They don't they don't understand him at all.
1: You are listening to the Live Big broadcast with Dr. Derek Greer. We pray that you were inspired to think big, do big and live big. Our goal is to compel you to live in a way that overflows and blesses those around you. Find out more about this broadcast, Grace Church, and Dr. Greer at gracechurchva.org. Dr. Greer and his wife, Pastor Yermutu, invite you to meet them at Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia, for vibrant worship, Bible teaching, and fellowship each Sunday and Wednesday. Click gracechurchva.org for service times, directions, and much more. Again, that's gracechurchva.org. This has been Live Big with Dr. Derek Greer. Watch the Live Big broadcast Monday through Friday and every Sunday. Check your local TV listings or visit GraceChurchVA.org for the broadcast schedule. That's all the time we have, but until next time, remember, you have what it takes in Christ to live big.
0: There's a lot going on surrounding the coronavirus, and, and while we should be cautious and use wisdom, we must fight against living in fear. In times of crisis, you know, stress can wreak havoc in our minds and bodies if we let it. Don't get me wrong, fear is a natural emotion, but through God's Word, we have power to overcome it. 1 Peter 5 and 7 teaches us to give all our worries and cares to Him because He cares for us. 2 Timothy 1 and 7 reminds us that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Sometimes there's nothing you can do to control your situation. But in times like this, we look to what God has put in us to overcome what's around us. And I want to encourage you to build your faith and find peace in God's word. Go to GraceChurchVA.org to listen to my latest series titled No Fear. Also, get a copy of me reading all of the healing scriptures in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation as a free download. I love you. I'm praying for you. And we will get through this together.